Welcome to Restoration Road Online. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So we're going to have a standalone series, uh, not series, <laughs> standalone sermon today. Um, we'll get back to spiritual warfare next week, um, but we're going to have a standalone sermon on communicating kindly. Now, it's in marriage, but this is for every person. This is for, if you're a Christian, how to communicate kindly with others. Um, communication is very important. So maybe you are married. And so you can apply it directly even today with communicating kindly. Um, maybe you're someone who wants to be married, um, and so you can store this for the future, um, the future husband or wife you are praying for. Or maybe you're just someone who is not called to be married, and you're content like the Apostle Paul with that, and you can just use it with communicating with others in a kind and in a Christian manner. Um, our marriages for those of us who are married and want to be married, the goal of each marriage is to reflect the glory of God with the way we communicate to each other, the way we interact with each other. Um, the model that is given in the scriptures is the husband should treat and communicate with his wife like Jesus Christ communicates, loves, and serves the church. In the church, the wife should communicate and love the husband and respect the husband in a manner that communicates the glory with God in the way that the church interacts with Jesus. And so that's the model that's set on communication. And when we do that, when we communicate like that, when we respect each other like that, when we love in a kind like that, it actually, your marriage, our marriage, Jez, <laughs> become the greatest, one of the greatest evangelistic tools there are. You know, we want to get away from secular and unbelieving models of what they say marriage is, right? Marriage is a cage. It's like a ball and chain. Like, that's not the models we want to set for our marriage. Like, how's the marriage going? Just in the cage, enjoying life. You know what I'm saying? No. That is not. It's, it's loving. It is um, intimate. It's sacrificial. It shows off the gospel when we can have the self-command needed and by the grace of God to communicate with each other kindly. And so that's what we're getting at today. You know, when I first, I've been married, me and Natalie, for 16 years now. Going on 17, April 19th. <clears throat> I was kind of naive. I, we got married young. Natalie was going to be 21 a week after we got married. I was 25. And um, I just turned 25 a few weeks earlier. <clears throat> I was naive coming into the marriage. I thought that she was just going to understand my every thought, action, and motive and reciprocate that, right? I quickly learned there was a misunderstanding constantly. Like, we just misunderstanding each other. Like, what's going on here? And we loved each other. We were committed to each other. But have you ever had a conversation escalate? Not you guys. You walking out there holy, right? But I quickly noticed it would escalate to anger. You ever do the drive around Wakefield Lake or wherever you live? I'm done. A few laughs around the lake. I'll be back when you're a normal person. Right? We ever been that kind of? So I'm like, wow, this is escalating quickly. And I'm like, I love her. She loves me. How do we begin to communicate in a way that is God-honoring? You know? And through the years, by God's grace, we are not perfect. 
And I don't think until we see heaven, we will be perfect. But we have grown tremendously in the way we communicate with each other and we forgive each other quicker. We, um, things don't escalate in the same manner. And we're much more kind and intentional when we talk to each other. Like we can feel that something's going awry, it's escalating, and we can say, hold on, you know this, where this is going, let us communicate kindly, and let's do the God-honoring thing. And that's, that's really my prayer for all our marriages at Restoration Road, that we will have joy-filled marriages, that we be satisfied in our marriages, that we have high walls in our marriages to protect them. And if we can do that by the grace of God in our current marriages, future marriages, then we can really show off the glory of God if there's a genuine grace and communication in those most important relationships. Amen? So the goal today is going to be communicating kindly, communicating forgiveness, and communicating with a tender heart. So communicating kindly, communicating forgiveness, and communicating with a tender heart. And the verse we will use is um, Ephesians 4.32. And hopefully I remember it because I didn't bring my Bible up here, so let's hope for the best. I believe it says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just like God and Christ forgave you. Did I get it? Awesome. All right. I really was supposed to bring my Bible up here. But that's the scripture we're going to focus on today. And once again, apply that to the station in life you are in now. Everyone can receive from this kind of communication. So let's start with communicating kindly. What does it mean to be kind? The big question is, is there a kind person in Boston? That's the question. Um, growing up in our culture, like, kindness is not the primary thing that the streets, the schools, our places of work, our communities are teaching us. They're teaching us to punch back, right? They're teaching us, don't let them talk to you like that. They're teaching them, don't let them get the last word. They're teaching us something much different than what Christ is trying to build in us. God is building Christ in us, and that's going to cause us to act in ways that are sometimes not natural to our culture. But kindness is the way we overcome the darkness that wants to make our hearts hard in our marriages, in our relationships, in our friendships. We really need to be kind. So I've been on this investigation of what is kindness. And the best definition I've got is from a woman named Raina Diorio. She is a CEO, author, a writer, developer. And she says, gives this definition of kindness. Kindness is having the courage to treat others the way you want to be treated. Kindness is having the courage to treat others the way you want to be treated. This is a helpful definition because we all know, you do hear people say here and there, wow, that person's kind. Oh, that was kind that they did that. You will hear that here and there. That's because we recognize that they treated us the way we wanted to be treated, the way we thought we should be treated, like that was kind. And so that's a good working definition that I want us to be thinking of. I'm kind when I'm treating my wife, my husband, my neighbor, my friend, and communicating with them the way they want to be treated and communicated with. This is very important to know. The goal of communicating kindly is not to be right. 
but to be kind and get to the God-glorifying and soul-refreshing solution. This is so important in marriage, right? If you want to be the decisional champ in marriage, it's not going to be real healthy. Gotcha. I was right. Deal with it. I'll talk to you later. Right? That doesn't work, right? You just, and the thing is, you might think you're right all the time, and something I learned, we were on a marriage retreat this weekend, uh, me and Natalie in the Cape, and you just might be the better communicator out of you too, and the other person doesn't communicate as well. Did you ever, I just thought of that, like, because the guy who was leading it with his wife, he was saying, you know, every time she was saying, I'm not good with my words, and he has, he was saying, he has three points and an illustration for every argument. And she was like, I would just give up. Like, I just can't communicate like this dude, man. I'm just like, you won. You won, you're right, right? It might not be that we're even right. It might just be that we're being over tenacious or we're being hard to deal with. And it gets to the point where the other person just says, this isn't even worth fighting for because we're not going to have a solution. But when we come to the conversation and say, we're going to be kind, and our goal is not to be right. Our goal is to love, to listen, to care, and come to a God-glorifying solution. Because you will realize in most conversations, someone might be tilted in the wrong, but usually we all play a part in it, don't we? We all play a part in the way we respond, the looks we give, the heart in which we came to it, the posture. You know, I remember we went to Disney a couple years ago, and what we did was um, we were walking down to get on the Disney buses, and my youngest daughter, Kara, was running through the bushes, and we were walking on the pathway, and I hear her yell out in pain, I got bit. So I think she's overreacting. I'm like, you didn't get bit. You ran through a tough bush. You're okay. Eat it up. Let's go to Disney, right? I'm like, let's go. So I go in there to see what she thought she hurt herself on, and all of a sudden, I get hit with something, right? I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm accusing her, and here I am, right? And I'm saying, what's going on here? What just caused both of our legs, I think it was, to start to swell like this? And so I go back, detective style, investigation on the bush, and it looks like there is a caterpillar from the Amazon on this tree. I'm like, there's no way we just got bit by an Amazonian caterpillar here. Like, we're, what's going on here? But she's screaming in pain, and we go back, and I realize, wow, that is painful. I'm, I'm trying to do the dad thing, just man up, right, walking through it. But I'm like, whoa, this is serious. So it begins to swell. Disney comes down, 911 with the ambulance. They check her. And me, if you guys know my personality, I have already done my investigation, found out it is a caterpillar that's not native to Florida, but to Alabama and Missouri. It's called the Saddleback Caterpillar, and it's poisonous. It won't kill you, but it will put you in pain for a few days, right? So I know that my plan is don't let Kara know that you could be in pain for a few days from this caterpillar because I don't think it's going to help the cause. So I tell Natalie, we got a plan, right? Natalie sits down and begins to read out loud about the Saddleback Caterpillar with Kara in the room. You can have pain for days, and Kara goes, pain for days! Ah! And I said, I got up as the decisional champ, and I said, see what you did? Right? See what you did? I was right. You're wrong. I shall be outside basking in the glory of my wisdom, right? 
So I walk out to the banister looking out over the horizon like it's a bigger deal than it is. That's not how you communicate. You don't try to be right. You try to be kind. And think about how you would want to be treated, even in tough situations, so God is glorified. Every time a husband speaks in love and care and admiration of his wife in a glory-filled way, it brings so much glory to our Father in heaven. Amen? Every time a wife speaks highly of her husband in respect and honor, he has holy grit, he's committed, he loves, he's sacrificed, and put him in a place like that. It brings glory to God in a wonderful way, that kind of communication. Speak highly of your husband. Speak highly of your wife. Speak highly of your fiance. Speak highly, because when we do that from a pure heart, it brings glory to our fathers and Father in heaven, and people just might see the gospel through it. That's not always our experience, is it? You might go out with your friends, right? Everyone lines up, orders a margarita, and just starts talking about their husband, right? Like this dude. It's like having a kid around. I don't even know what's going on. I got four kids. I got five with my husband. You know, like, that's not good, guys. Like, all the guys out, like, man, finally got away from her, man. The old ball and chain, she won't shut up, kid. Like, that's not the way we communicate, right? Or should communicate about our wives because we are called to something higher, something more glorious, something that is transcendent something that is God honoring amen and so that communication to be kind to treat our spouses the way that we want to be treated is very very important when I think of Adam and Eve when you read that story Adam looks at Eve and he begins to communicate maybe even sing a song some um, commentary say he says, this is the bone of my bone, and this is the flesh of my flesh, in total joy. What was he saying when he said that? This is the bone of my bone, this is my flesh and flesh. He's saying, she is me, and I am her, and we're one in essence. And the way I speak to her is the way I should be treating myself. And the way we interact is that we're interacting as one, loving one, in a bond that even the Apostle Paul says is absolutely mysterious. The way you become one in marriage. Your souls connect. Your spirits join. And we should honor our own souls. And we should honor our own wives and our husbands. This is the heart of marriage. This is the heart of the gospel. Secondly, we have to forgive. We have to communicate forgiveness. And this is so important and this is so powerful. Kindness in a marriage is so important because we are selfish creatures by nature. Are we not? We are selfish creatures. Our, our emotions go first. We think of ourselves first by nature. And the institution of marriage and being husband and wife is absolutely a sacrificial relationship. What does it say we model it after? Jesus Christ and the way he laid down his life for the church. So we know right away if we're entering into marriage, it's absolutely sacrificial. There's a beautiful self-forgetfulness that needs to happen in order for us to love our spouse. And the way we often sin against each other in marriage is our words. When I think about counseling and caring for so many married couples, the weapons are our words and the things we say. 
And when they're not kind, they wound, they hurt, and they oftentimes express a heart that is not saturating itself in the gospel. And this is something that's heavy that I thought about that I think is important when we come into marriage. You know the scriptures say that we will give account for every single word we speak in this life. That we will stand before the God who made all things and we will give account for the words we speak. Therefore, like the wise King Solomon said, let our words be few. That they might not hurt and they might not wound, but they might heal and they might comfort and they might encourage and they might bring people closer to Jesus. Amen? So important. See, we all know about the infamous last word in communication, right? Especially in a marriage. That's the infamous last word. That's when you think it's over, but someone takes a corner and goes, no. Uh, a breath. <sighs> they just show something that that last word to let you know, I don't agree with you. You don't win. Decisional champ in the hallway, right? See, the last word, we need, that's a work of the flesh, the last word. And I know we've all given the last word, right? We've all wanted to give the last word. That's a work of the flesh. It, there's pride and ego connected to it, and it's not healthy to heal. The last word in communicating kindly is always forgiveness. Forgiveness always has the last word in a healthy marriage. You know, some people might say, my husband or my wife does not deserve forgiveness. I agree with you. I agree with you. None of us deserve forgiveness. None of us. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all not treated each other the way we should treat. We all need the grace of God. And the scripture gives us the reason why we can forgive freely in our marriages and our communication. Why? It says, forgive and be tenderhearted. Because God in Christ has forgiven you. And may I add to that, he's forgiven us of much. Amen? And that's the only way. If, if Christ didn't die on the cross, if he wasn't the son of God, if he didn't rise again, if he didn't forgive us, we have no reason to forgive each other. We can just continue in a debt mentality. See, a debt mentality will ruin a marriage. If we're keeping a scorecard and we're making people pay from sins in the past and sins in the present, we can never communicate in a holy and healthy way, right? And how you can know if you're holding on to something and have not forgiven someone, if you're in an argument about a sandwich or who ate the Oreos, and then something from 10 years comes out, like, I hate you because you did this to me. I'm like, I thought I just ate that last Oreo, right? That's how you know you're harboring something in your heart, right? And we need to forgive each other or we can't move on because we are not called, God did not put us in debt to himself. He actually gave himself for us so we could love him freely. We can't put our spouses in debt to us to control them. We must forgive them freely and love completely, amen? That's communicating kindly. We must forgive and we must forgive often because we fall way short of the glory of God. At the marriage retreat, they asked a question that I want to pose to you guys that I thought was very helpful. It's a hard conversation. It's uncomfortable. But they said, ask your spouse how they experience you. And they gave an example, like, how do people experience you? When they get a phone call from you and they see your name, and we can use this as husband and wife, 
How do they experience you? Does it make them anxious? Oh, God, I got a call. I must be in trouble. Does it make them fearful? Does it make them sad? What is that human emotion? What does it, how does your spouse experience you? And that's a tough conversation because oftentimes, like they said, our perception of ourselves in our marriage and how our spouse perceives us, our self-awareness, like they were saying at the marriage retreat, and our spouse's perception of us, and we can use this in relationship, there's often a gap between who we think we are and how people are experiencing us. There's often a big gap there. And me and Natalie had to have the conversation on the way home, and we'll keep that in our own marriage, but it's tough to say, listen, and there's a lot of positive things. You might experience great things, but there might be a large piece of the pie that you're experiencing something that is a work of the flesh and not a work of the spirit, because kindness is the fruit of the spirit. To be kind to someone, that's a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so to really ask those questions in love and humility and to listen to one another is very, very important to have a God-glorifying marriage. And I just want to talk in the, the final communication point here about communicating with a tender heart. Not only will marriage, it can make your heart hard. Life can make your heart hard. It can make it stone. You can begin to what I always say, have a pharisaical, pharisaical heart. To love those who only love you and to have an underlining subversive hate towards those who don't think like you or you feel don't love you the way you should, you think they should. Like. And so we have to be very careful not to have a hard heart and a stone heart towards people. And I'm telling you, you can try to soften it yourself, but we cannot soften our own hearts. Only God's gospel and God's love and God's care can give us a tender heart to communicate with others in marriage. Amen? You know, in Psalm 29, it says this, and I won't say it verbatim, I'll just paraphrase. It just talks about how powerful the word of God is. It says it's like thunder, how it moved everything in creation how it gave life to every animal you see. That's the word of God has done that. And we know from Genesis that God created all you see just by speaking it into existence. Let there be light. And he spoke it. Let there be this, let there be that. And we live in the wonder of his creation and his glory, right? And the power of his word. It's only that powerful word, the word of God himself, the one who's given us identity and created us, created us that can soften our hard hearts. Only that. And we do that by gathering right now. You know what's happening to our hearts right now if we allow them to be in a position of grace? God's word is softening our hearts, right? It's softening. You stay out in the world long enough with no faith in Jesus, no community, none of this, you just get hard. You become isolated, right? So right now, part of what we're doing is the word of God is softening our hearts. We know that in our devotional life, which is so important for us to be in the word of God, you almost wake up every day with a hard heart. Anyone like that? I wake up irritated with people. Like, I'm not even, I always say, I'm not Christian until 10 after a couple cups of coffee and a few pieces of toast, you know, ready to love people now, right? 
you wake up almost, you have to tenderize your heart with the word of God. You have to remember what Christ has done for you and remember how you're supposed to respond to others, especially in marriage where whether it's husband or wife, you're waking up and your day is meant. You're called to take up your cross and care for your wife, care for your family, to love and serve, and your heart has to be tenderized. And the gospel will do this, right? When we see that cross, right, that's the greatest act of, the communi of communication of kindness the world will ever see. When we really meditate and think about what Jesus Christ did, and we didn't deserve it, that should make our hearts so soft, not only every day of our lives, but for all of eternity, amen? God has communicated kindness to us, so in turn, we can love others, and we need to allow the word of God, the gospel of God, the people of God, to make our hearts tender, so we communicate kindly, and we love deeply, and in our marriages, we know that we're there for each other. That we're there to show grace. We're there not to win an argument. We're there to communicate kindness. And we're there to display the glory of God. Amen. So let's just rest in that. For those who are married, I want to encourage you to do something today. I want you to take time just to tell your spouse just how grateful you are for them. You don't have to do it now. You can if you want. But on the ride home or later on after you put the kids to bed, say, I love you. I'm thankful for you. Some of you might be better communicate through writing. Maybe pick up a card and just write kind words. And you might say, I don't know what to say. Write exactly the words that you would love to hear from your spouse because that is kindness. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this Sunday's sermon at Restoration Road. We hope it blessed you and invite you to join us for next service at 10 a.m. on Sunday. God bless.